Herzlich willkommen zum Modellansatz, der mathematische Podcast aus Karlsruhe mit Gudrun Täter und Sebastian Ritterbusch. Hello, Serena. Hello. Today I have uh, Serena Carelli with me. She's visiting on the one hand from Strasbourg where she's living <laughs> and on the other hand from the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg, yes. which sounds both far away, but uh, we are kind of colleagues because we are working together in a research training group, which is called CMET, which cares about um, understanding um, batteries better. And um, I'm a postdoc, uh, associated postdoc there um, from the mathematical side. And uh, you are working with the group of Wolfgang Bessler in Offenburg. Yeah. Um, who is interested in learning more uh, is invited to read the, the notes I'm giving with that and following the links. Um, I would like to spend the time today just to focus on your research. Thank you. Yeah, because um, the reason behind that is that there are so many aspects to that that it, I would have to talk like 15 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't want to do just now. Okay. Um, so what's your role in this uh, cement research training group? So what's your focus of research? Actually, uh, I'm very pleased about being there and actually talking about my research. As you can actually hear from my voice, I'm Italian, so I really hope that every one of you will be able to understand me. So actually, I'm a PhD, as, a, as you say, in Offenburg. So some of us, they are not, the majority actually is working at KIT, but some of us are actually detaching Ulm and in Offenburg. And there I actually work under Professor Bessler and with my colleague Michael Quarti. It actually is a also part of CIMED. But specifically, even if we all work in the, and on the different aspects of battery behavior, so somehow like in different ways, some people more mathematics, some people more in a kind of experimental way, engineering, what I do is mainly focused on simulation and the simulation of side mechanism, in this case, aging mechanism. So let's say that actually we started both me and Michael by developing a model for a specific type of battery, a commercial battery. So we developed this model, like obviously not from zero because uh, this, there was already work done in the past. We used uh, some, uh, like, uh, some model that has been already been developed. And one of the good things of what we do is that it's actually somehow easy in a kind of relative sense, to actually change it. So by parameterization, by literature, experiments, fitting, analysis, we could actually like change a basic model to a model working for our battery. And that's, that's actually what we've been doing for the first year, with more than the first year together. So developing a model that was able to simulate this battery. Then after that, like as actually was a, um, prospective in CMET. After that, we actually went more on our research. So even if working together, like we kind of split into different directions. So that actually what I'm really doing at the moment now is working on this side mechanism, this aging mechanism. So for example, plating. So at the moment I'm working on uh, the simulation of 
reversible platin and soon an irreversible platin, so what is called the dead lithium. And at the same time, the real purpose, the final one, would be to couple that with an ACI simulation. So actually, if we already have some ACI simulation, they loved by one of my colleagues, like at the moment I'm trying to match them in the way that we have like a more comprehensive model. And uh, finally, like having even a better ACI model, and that actually something on which probably we will be working after my travel in USA that will be at this point in 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, you're very much interested in understanding how the battery um, ages. Yeah. So yeah. in kind of, also you could say the, the rough question would be how long uh, can it live? Mm-hmm. Kind of, um, can it be expected to live? Yeah. And um, then also to have the finer points, to understand uh, why it's aging. So and um, you were referring to very different processes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like uh, the fact of uh, having a simulation able to predict that, it's a way also to increase our knowledge and the predictability of the life of the battery. Yeah. Because if like most of the models, they actually don't include aging. So we have just like a model that has been like filled with all the parameters and mm-hmm. everything we know about the battery. And there is like simulating cycles of charge, discharge, uh, like everything. But we don't see in this model some mechanisms that are not actually... They are not actually part of the batteries as something that we want there. Putting like a platin mechanism inside is also considering the the problem. And actually, this is a problem. Like mm. uh, for the electric car market, for example, the effect of the platin, it's a huge problem in the sense, for example, of the fast charging at low temperature. So one of the reasons actually that electric cars, uh, they actually have, they are probably not so much used also like in winter season is that when we have like very cold temperature it's very difficult to have a fast charge and we have also like a formation of this plating and the plating actually is affecting the capacity of the battery mm. so because like some plating is reversible so somehow like after like charging is charged we'll actually enter back but like other like the reversible plating is just form it's just actually taking away the capacity and um, like forming this dead lithium that actually will form eventually some dendrites and uh, creating even some problem like runaway of the battery. So actually the battery could even explode. So that we have like a different sides of it, like some more dangerous, some just like a more economically damaging, some just like that it's very, takes a lot of time to charge. So it would be good to have a model able to simulate this problem. And not only like the single problem, so just only the plating. But like now at the moment, I have a model that is showing only the plating, but also the different side of plating, and also like coupled with this SCI, so the, this uh, formation of the solid electrolyte interface on uh, the surface that at the beginning is actually not a problem. It's something that actually we want in the battery mm. to actually preserve. The, preserve the electrode, but then when it's getting like more and more, like it could actually like also have a problem in terms of capacity fading, above all because it's interacting with the plating, like pushing one each other. So it's like there are a lot of things happening there, like some are more mechanical, some are electrochemical, and like a very comprehensive model will actually the closest one to reality. And um, your idea is that you want to cover all of these aspects. 
That's actually like it would be the best. Mm. Like I don't know if I will ever be able to do. I mean, it's too much ambitious uh, because obviously, like a PhD is three years, uh, and uh, my PhD is actually due to finish at the end of March two thousand twenty, and then there should be like the dissertation period. So um, let's say, I mean, like imagining to make all is a bit too much. But yeah. what we can do. Uh, but what considered there will be a second generation of CIMET is somehow like setting a good base for them to go on. I mean, it's a ever going type of process. Like we can't imagine that at the end of this period we will have all the answers because that will be all not will not even be <laughs> science. But yeah, like we can imagine that from having like a, a model that perhaps will be used again more refined by other people because this is a model of one battery but some other people probably will need a model that will be for another battery so it can use with the model that we have been developing as a base and then from that like at the moment for example like we have plating working like we are perhaps hopefully writing a paper about it in the next month so there will be something that is actually showing that, at least the reversible part. I would like to set also the base of the irreversible plating um, that will be like in the next months. I mean, not when it will be in US because that we will be probably working on the SEI. But then in the next months, like setting the base. In the end, it's just like adding like extra reactions and making them work in a intelligent and uh, realistic way and then also developing the SEI so the SEI like is partly developed already but like making eventually more refined like multi-layer for example like most of the model they don't show the multi-layer uh, aspect of the SEI so the fact that we don't we not don't have only one component but we have like other components that are like byproduct of it and they are for example coming from uh, interaction with impurities in the electrolyte. So this is really realistic because imagine that everything is pure. It's just a kind of a utopistic point yeah. of view. But like reality, we know that there are other things that should not be there. And those are actually giving life to other reactions. So the idea is actually, hopefully, in this one month and a half in which I will be there in the U.S., trying to refine this approach to SEI has been already partly developed there, like uh, by using Cantera. It's one of the uh, software that we use in our work. It has been already developed there. So the idea would be actually to make that uh, part of our project. So kind of converting it to the software we are using we also use Cantera, but to make it like coupled with our model in a way that also our model will be able to have this layered SEI. That is actually what is really happening, not just one component, but different layers, more or less porous. Yes, so um, in principle, everybody has experience with batteries by um, using them, for example, for audio devices or mm -hmm. video or things like that. And the things which um, we observe, even if we are not engineers, is that they are mm -hmm. kind of losing their capacity, which means it's um, shorter and shorter periods of time mm -hmm. when you have to take them out and reload them. Mm -hmm. And of course, nobody really knows why. It's just called aging. So they get just old and uh, use their capacity closely. Mm -hmm. So now you were referring to um, things which are responsible for that. Mm -hmm. So And I think plating, uh, people can imagine in the head, even if they are not engineers, <laughs> that it's just covering the electrodes with something which 
um, kind of makes it harder for them to work. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think SEI is kind of harder to grasp. So maybe you could explain um, what's that? Actually, it's for SEI, we mean solid electrolyte interface. So when actually, um, when actually we run for the first time the battery, it's actually when it's formed in the first layer. Like we can say that who makes the battery, they want to have a first layer mm -hmm. of this because it's kind of protecting. Because let's imagine that actually the anode and the, the electrode is at a voltage at which the electrolyte is not completely stable. So even like a passivating layer is avoiding like the destruction. Size. Yeah, so mm. actually we can make this passivating just by having like, for example, like a first run of charging, discharging. Mm. So this is due actually to a reaction between the electrolyte and um, the surface. So we have like a layer, like obviously this layer, as I said, is like a passivating layer that it's multi-layer, so it's not just one. And uh, if at the beginning this is actually something that we want because it's like passivating, protecting like that, mm -hmm. when it's getting too much, it's again like sucking capacity, we can say. Because anyway, like in the, electro in the electrolyte, we have ions. If these ions, is act they are actually used for making the passivating layer, or for example for the plating, they are not used anymore like to create the battery, like to create what we really want, because there will be side reactions. So not the reaction, for example, of intercalation and deintercalation that are the ones that are allowing the battery to work. So if we actually occupy the ions in doing something else, there will be less and less. So with time going on, like the capacity will actually go down. And um, the SEI has also the fact that actually is interacting with the plating. So one of the problems we are having now with the model is actually trying to make a model in which the SEI and the plating, they're actually working together. So one is actually pushing the other for a series of like complicated reactions they create. I mean, it's not a complete understood mechanism because obviously like we simplify it when we put in a mm. model. But when the two actually interact, we can say that like they kind of create like a thick SEI is actually creating like an ideal environment also to, for the development of plating. So they kind of like push each other. And in the end, like we can have like not only the capacity fading, but as I was saying for the plating, this development of dendrites that can actually pierce the separator and eventually even touch and create a short circuit. So this is one of the causes of this runaway, this explosion of the battery. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a short circuit then. Yeah, yeah, it's like a boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how is the mathematical model looking? So to go, go a little bit more into the details. Uh, actually, like the, from a mathematical point of view, we are talking about transport equation mm. and uh, I'm not the mathematical, mathematical one because the good thing about this model is that... Um, it's, I think it's really user-friendly. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm actually not good at mathematics. I was good when I was in high school and then I was like in university at the beginning, but I'm not, I would not actually put myself in a mathematical role because obviously like it's mathematics. I think it's something that either you do it continuously or it gets lost, like Japanese. And uh, 
So like behind this, there are all the transport equation, like a huge set of equation. So like predicting fluxes and predicting like the transport from three different scales. And so like the, our, our model is a P3D, so like a pseudo three dimensional. So it's working at three different scale. So macro scale, meso scale and micro scale. So this is not just a fact of like distance, so just like smaller and smaller. It's actually a fact of what is actually included. The processes, yeah. Yes, because macro scale, obviously we talk about the cell. So we are talking, for example, also for heat transport. For example, like my colleague Michael is actually working more on the macro scale than me. And then we have the mesoscale, so here we're talking about the electrode. So we can say like more the concept of, as we imagine, anode and cathode and the transport. So the mesoscale is actually the couple and the electrolyte, the separator. And then we have the microscale, so we go at the particle level. So this, this model is actually able to go on the three different scales and treating the different processes in a way that's actually comprehensive. So we don't just have, for example, like electrode and uh, the two electrodes uh, and then nothing else because we know that something is happening also at a particular level. There are equations for all the three layers, for all the three, uh, from macro scale, micro scale and mesoscale. And uh, these ones, uh, they are behind. But when we actually have to interact with that, using MATLAB as an interface, we use two software. One is Dennis, it is coupled with Cantera. As I was saying before, Cantera is actually uh, an open source software that uh, has been also developed in US. And that's like a, that's a software that I will have to work on like when I will go to US in the next 20 days mm -hmm. in a way that actually I can put it together with Dennis so to finalize it and make it coherent with our cell. If we want to say what things look at without going into the programmer point of view, so like I'm not a coder. So if someone is actually coding, we'll actually see the behind of that. So all the Python approach, all the CC approach, this is something that I know nothing about. <laughs> but like when you want to see it from outside, we can say that really you just have some dot file that they are like connected with the software. So what you do, what we have been doing is looking for these parameters that they can come from, like from experiments, from fitting, from analysis, mathematical analysis, or like other type of analysis. Mm -hmm. Literature, why not? Like most of them, they come from literature. And then they are put together in a simple like writing them. So you can set all the different parameters from geometrical to electrochemical. And then you can your simulation adapting because you are putting the values. Because in the end, the equation behind, they are always the same. They can be like, more developed, they can be refined, but the change of value is actually changing the response in the simulation. And you can have the Dennis part, and this kind of like um, defining like the three scales, so macro scale, meso scale, and, and micro scale, for example, like the intercalation uh, ranges, mm. or uh, like, don't know, just simply like how much big the battery is. So you put all these values, some of them actually they've been obtained with other software, like for example, like the electrode balancer. It's another software that has been developed internally in, a, in our group that is able to define um, historic geometry ranges 
uh, doing, for example, like a charge and discharge. In the case, for example, in our modeling, we have a um, we have a blended electrode, so we can't just say zero one hundred. We have to consider the different proportions of the materials inside. So, like also by using this software. Um, we can create like the information needed for the program to create the simulation. And at the same time, we have a cantera that is actually taking care of the species. So we are talking about something more chemical. So the reaction, the species involved, and how they behave. So the two together, they are able to describe completely the behavior of the battery in a way that when we see it in, using MATLAB, we can really see in a like few minutes, uh, what actually can be done in experimental way for in hours uh, or days. Yeah, but uh, then if you are aiming for understanding how long the battery will live, then you will have to simulate a lot of um, cycles for the cell. Yeah. So what would be uh, um, a typical number of such cycles, just to get an idea? At the moment, like what is called like the cycling to death is not what we are doing. I mean, because at the moment, like we are still not working on the capacity fading. Mm -hmm. Like we are defining the reaction behind. So, for example, like uh, in this moment, we are doing some experiments. They are a bit delayed and everything. We have a bit of problem at the moment. But one of these would have been like cycling to death mm. at the end to see how much time is <laughs> Sounds needed. Sounds kind of funny, cycling to death. <laughs> well, yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, like, already one of our cells is dead. I mean, mm. like, we had, yesterday we took it out and it was broken. Now the camera chamber is broken. <laughs> it's like everything is breaking down. But yeah, the idea will be like gone and gone until it's actually completely dead. And uh, would it be like one of the things to do, like in these days? So, but we'll have to wait another bit. So, I don't know actually at the moment uh, how much time it will take for um, at least for this because still we have not done it. Like at the moment, uh, we have a model that has been created and it's like stable. And then, like my, we have like separate models. Like one model, for example, now at the moment is showing the reversible plating, another model is showing SEI. Mm. Then the multi-layer model, SEI model, like is still to be developed. And um, then, like uh, I'm trying the moment to match the reversible plating with the SEI to see what will happen. So I would, I'm not able at the moment to answer this question, even because the problem is that like. I don't have the experimental data to it, so like I cannot say my my simulation will say that without knowing mm. this is the reality. Yeah. No, the question was more like to understand what is the type of model you're doing. Mm -hmm. So because um, it sounds to me like you have um, certain um, kind of on a on a basic level, you have to understand one cycling period, mm -hmm. and then um, you have to understand over like a medium size of periods, how the battery mm -hmm. is changing. And then on top of that, you will have to try to um, let this go until the end of the battery. Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of my naive understanding of what yeah. you are talking about. The purpose is actually creating a, simul a simulation that is able to predict reality. But like, as a, it's more difficult to, to actually do than what to say. Because they are able to put so many reactions and so many parameters inside that some more you put, more the simulation becomes unstable. Clearly, so you have to uh, you have to actually um, trust the simulation to be constant after a lot of cycles. Like one of these things, for example, that you see when you put some extra reaction, 
like side reaction. You see, for example, it by running cycles, the cycles deform. Mm. So if you see like some very nice cycles, like discharge and charge, like as they look like when everything is okay, when you start to actually like land them like for main times with the side reaction in, they get deformed. So you see actually something is wrong. And because this model is able to look inside the button without having to open it, we can also see what's going on. Like one of the good things, for example, of this is that like with experiments, you can just like run. And if you want to run and actually measure like some kind of uh, information, like the voltage, the current, uh, the temperature, but if you want to really see inside, you probably have to actually either use microscopy or open it. And so you have to do like a, somehow damage in the battery. Well, here like the, you can have a look at the internal states by using the model because this model is not just reproducing, but it's also able to analyze, to analyze. That's actually the point of the model because we are doing everything theoretical. We can imagine that using also mathematical approach behind, we can, um, uh, for example, see how the situation is changing in the different layers, in the different scales. For example, like uh, there are um, some, um, yeah, the possibility, there is a possibility, for example, to make some graph that they are showing how during charge or discharge, the values are changing in the different part of the battery. So you can really see, for example, like the different layers, mm. or we say compartments, because of this is a discretized model, it's not a continuous one. So we have compartments that they don't behave all the same because that would be not real. That's one of the points about having different scales. Because if you were having just a scale, clearly, like we would have no difference. But because we have compartments and we have scales. We can see, for example, that the layers at the interface, they are normally like the one more involved because actually they are the one closer to the to the electrolyte. So that's actually where you see more happening. That clearly like that at the current collector is very far away. So you can see, like for example, by charging, discharging, you can see how the values go up and down and also the formation of the side product. So for example, for the lithium plating, you can really see, like with, you can really see like with this model, that at one point you will have this volume fraction of lithium plating forming. About the numbers, perhaps that we know that perhaps can also not be true because the point is that knowing that it's forming, well actually measuring exactly the volume fraction forming that obviously is much more refined. Mm. But you can see that forming in that point with that value, so you know that this process, for example, is creating this kind of risk. It's much more complex. I mean, it's, uh, and I'm just a PhD student. So like, obviously my professor will explain immensely better this thing. <laughs> like, but that's actually, it's, I think it's actually a lot because you see how much time it takes to do an experiment. Like in this moment that I'm doing experiment, it's days and days just to actually win some cycles. And then you go there and then you see that what you are looking for is not there. But with a model, you can just like do your stuff and then eventually going to take a coffee and walking around and then you come back like half an hour, one hour later and it's there. So you can see eventually, like if your model is true, you can see things happening much more realistic. So that's, I think it's one of the good things of that, like the possibility of also seeing not only what's going on outside, but going inside and see 
uh, what's really happening. So what, what is the problem? Because we know that if our mother, for example, has a problem, we could go through the internal states and say, yeah, because he's actually doing this and it is wrong and nonsense. So that's why when we look at the cycle, it's wrong too. So it's, I don't know, it's, I think it's really good for that. I mean, like you can really see, understand in a time that is much more limited than yeah. instead like doing experiments. Yeah, also um, at the moment, um, you are just trying to understand what the uh, lithium cells are doing, which exist. Mm -hmm. uh, but the next step with such types of models could be how should we change them in order to live longer? Mm -hmm. Or how could we change the um, cycles? Mm -hmm. or kind to optimal use them and um, th there is no possibility to do that with the actual uh, batteries because it takes too much time to or it takes also a lot of money in order mm -hmm. to prepare different geometries and um, slightly changing uh, parameters in them and with the mathematical model in the computer after you understood it which of mm -hmm. course is kind of hard but after you did that you are free to change the parameters yeah yeah yeah, yeah. at least you know up to a certain way but um, it's the same way i would say as you are free to change the design of your cell slightly yeah because if you change it drastically then you also have to be prepared that things will break down yeah or not work or crash yeah, yeah. completely yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that would be like an invested approach. When we were discussing, um, like in the in the past CMET meeting about uh, the possible future views and the possible future project, uh, like uh, there was this thing that me and Michael we were actually thinking about instead of making models uh, to simulate what has already been created, to use models uh, to actually uh, create. So, like. Uh, inverting yeah. the order of things. Um, I don't know if that would be possible because, I mean, there are infinite type of numbers. So one could actually put any number in it. Some, sometimes, like, number can work even better, but if you have to make it, it would not be so easy. But I think that actually our model should be also used. Because, like, if we know, for example, that with a different proportion of uh, material like if we obtain a better answer why not trying to do that mm. and but the problem is that we we have to be sure that the model is absolutely real and absolutely perfect because most of the models that i created they are for example like able to simulate only one thing and like they make like a perfect discharge yeah. but then they don't show you the charge and you are like why it's not shown the charge in the paper and most of the time you think it's probably because it's wrong <laughs> so they don't want to show it <laughs> And uh, like a complete model is able to sh show everything, perhaps uh, won't be so perfect uh, and absolutely like uh, close to the height in anything, but will actually be useful to set a road at least. Uh, like we we can't completely like trust the model like one hundred percent because most of the, also most of the values are also self coherent so they are values that have a sense inside the model. So if you have to stack them to the IT as they are, you will be like, oh, this is not sense. But if you actually look at the model in its is in total way, I think that will be a good way to actually save time in the in the creation of new batteries. Like mm -hmm. you know for example like this one is not working. So let's just try completely different proportion or different materials or different size yeah so in the research training group CMET there are a lot of different um, parts of these questions distributed over a lot of disciplines 
Um, what is the collaboration in the research training group looking f um, like for you? So um, are there persons you are collaborating with very much or is, you know, just um, having the spirit of everything <laughs> or the half yearly uh, meetings or uh, how does this uh, also, I'm asking this question also because you are kind of external, mm -hmm. not being here at KIT where most of the students are working. Well, I mean, I think we should have collaborated more. I think we should have, uh, don't know, exchanged more our knowledge. But I think it's just like coming from different approach and different people. Obviously, the effect of staying in Offenburg, I kind of like make a separation with Katie. Because, yeah, like, okay, we come here for the meeting and uh, there are also some monthly meeting. Sometimes we go, sometimes we don't. It depends from the the things we have to do. But uh, obviously I will always be in Offenburg. Not that I will always be, but like, yeah, yeah like I, less, I, yeah. I was in Offenburg. And um, in this case, uh, like work has mostly been done with my colleague, Michael, that is also like part of CIMET. So we have been working mainly together, me and him. Like they would say like the first year has actually just be me and him like working together on this project. On the creation of the model for the battery, and um, yeah, yeah. So like for us, it's been like mainly us. And then during the meeting, we've been exchanged. We've been exchanging uh, information. We've been showing our work. So these meetings have been really productive for developing new ideas and the information. But yeah, like if I have to say, like yeah, my partner has always been Michael. So like Offenburg has stayed in Offenburg. <laughs> So uh, what's your background? What did you, t uh, what study course did you take and where? <laughs> oh yeah, like nothing so more far than, than what I'm doing now. Like I graduated above all like, um, like lots of years ago. Like I finished my master in 2009. 2009 was like, when was it? Like it was in 2009. So um, I actually studied in Torino, University of Torino in Italy. So I did my bachelor in chemistry the first three years. And then the two years master were in forensic chemistry, forensic and clinical. So mainly biochemistry and all the part connected to the forensics. So ballistic, medicine, biology, autopsies and this type of thing so like completely so very far away from everything yeah but you could say you're also working forensically on the battery just now yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but i must say that the corpses of the battery are not so interesting like the human ones <laughs> they're just a bit plain <laughs> yeah so but you were really at the university in torino and not at the polytechnico no no actually mm. i worked in polytechnico after because mm -hmm. um after i finished i was 24 so like I finished in Turin, I've been moving to Bologna, like working uh, like in environmental engineering, but it was not like a consul, a consultant uh, company. So then after that, I won the, how was it called? Yeah, the Leonardo Project. So kind of like the Erasmus for the graduate. Mm. Like, so I, I, I actually been living in Spain where I was working in um, in chemistry again, like more organic chemistry in that case, uh, but was for uh, finding new molecules for an alternative chemotherapy. So it was in a research against cancer. 
So like we are going like very far away from me. And then I went back and I was working in Polytechnic. Well, there I was working in uh, material science. So I was working in uh, ceramics. It was much more an experimental work. Like I spent so much time just like baking ceramics <laughs> like in the oven. So yeah, it was like like that. And yeah, and then actually it was when I started, when I finished, I started um, this work in, uh, in Greece. So in uh, as a Marie PhD at the University of Heraklion. So that like it was something completely different. It was interfacial rheology. So I think like somehow like the effect of rheology, so fluxes and uh, um, changes like actually has perhaps been taking me to this kind of discipline. So to the batteries, because I think it's probably like the closest one. Like I'm going like from chemotherapy, like going there, I suppose rheology somehow I see connected sometimes about the transport and changes. <laughs> And yeah, and then there, like, the, I was doing this PhD and um, I left <laughs> to go live in North Australia for personal reason. I mean, I fell in love, that's it. <laughs> so I just, like, went there for two years in Australia. And then, yeah, like, the rest, like I decided to come back and uh, and then I started in Offenburg. So, like, it's uh, it's a story to say that somehow, like, you can come from very different background and then ending up doing that. So there was also, like, a choice in the fact of choosing this kind of discipline because I think this is the future. Like, at the moment, we have to actually do something for the environment. It's not just about making money in the automotive industry or I don't know what. I mean, anyone can have his choice of life, sure, but, like... This thing about the climate change, this thing about the environment, is not just um, a chimera, it's not just something that is not existing, it's something that we can see every day around us. We, I mean, also people cannot believe in it, but it's clearly there. So, I mean, like, we can also not care about it, or we can try to do something. And... Uh, the, like we need like a more green approach, and I come from a country in which electric cars are not much, and um, most of the people I think they don't even want to drive them because there is a kind of uh, uh, how would I say a negative stereotype about it in a lot of countries about electric cars, so people don't want to take it; they prefer big poisoning cars and make a lot of noise and local motor lot of pollution. <laughs> Yeah, in Germany is different. You see, it's also like much better organized. So I think that actually a better knowledge of batteries, in this case lithium batteries, will actually help us also, to, as we say, to develop better batteries, to also have more knowledge, avoiding risk, like uh, taking away any left negative stereotype about uh, the batteries uh, and uh, helping this change towards a world, like a cleaner world without petrol, like and like more po- less poisoning for the environment. So mm-hmm. somehow, like I think there is a kind of good motivation behind it, not just like doing a PhD and uh, you know like finding a job. Mm-hmm. And at least that's how I see it. And then like, yeah, I think at better better understanding batteries is kind of the bottleneck at the moment because in a way we know how to get energy without. Um, using carbon and without using atomic power, yeah. if we could. And it's kind of, you can calculate it and you can see. And it was also proved uh, when we started to do it in Germany, <clears throat> like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, then you have all the energy and you don't really know how to distribute it evenly as you need it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so using it in the cars is just one point where it's kind of obvious, but there are also a lot of different points where you really need um, good batteries. Oh yeah, like there's like a lot. Yeah. There are a lot. Like I mentioned electric car because I think that's the first thing that actually people yeah. know. They are the one that actually you see more around, the one that actually people discuss more. But yeah, like uh, creating like a like better batteries and uh, like uh, like free ourselves uh, from some kind of energetic dependence it could be petrol or could be like other type of material yeah. only like good a uh, good um, consequence in that also because we know like all how much the political situation is uh, strongly connected with the materials for energy i mean a lot of wars uh, a lot of actually uh like problems uh, they come about they come from the control of the energetic materials uh, so like um, mid problems in middle east uh, problems in africa mm. like all over the world like a lot of like third world countries they are like stuffed with this kind of materials and first world countries they want to actually own and control them So it's not just about materials and environment, it's also about people. Like a lot of wars have been actually done just only to control some sector of the world in which, for example, petrol is hidden. Mm. So if in the moment in which we don't need any more petrol, like yeah. there is no reason to go there and kill people to have it, let's say it. Yeah, at least if you only use it for chemical things and not just burning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it will be used like in a way in which we can use any other material, like yeah. something that can be used to process and produce. But even like a lot of like like plastic also, they come from that. Like mm. a, like if we are having like a, a different approach on the use of plastic, so using less plastic, utilize more, recycle more, like we also need to produce less of that. Like mm. I've been traveling a lot in third world countries and the amount of plastic that you see there is like heartbreaking. And It's not just coming from the first world country, like they say, ah, it's a first world country, but it's coming a lot from the third world because somehow like people like need it. If you don't have an alternative, you just use and use and then you don't know how to put it because there's no way to actually find, to actually take it away. So you just see really like these beaches, this road, like completely full Mm. suffocating plastic i mean it's a total thing it's not just one like the entire world is actually not just one thing happening it's an equilibrium of everything like as we say for the batteries it's not just like a one thing happening and then we have some one-sided reaction there are so many they all interact with each other then in the end we just see the result it's like a capacity fading so we actually Uh, we have to improve the capacity of the world because uh, the world is fading away. So, and we have to control all, everything that's happening in a different way mm. from different kind of approach and different kind of scales from what we do in our house to what big government do. Like, it looks a bit like a Greta Thunberg type of approach, but that's the point. It's not just about what the big people do, it's what we also do. So it's from any point of view. If not, at one point we will pay it. I won't pay it because we'll probably be our children or the children of our children. I don't know. <laughs> so it's, I mean, like, but we, have, we should think about it just only for the animals. Yeah. Also, if you are um, studying and working in Turin, of course, the town is very much in the spirit of Fiat factory. 
That's it. <laughs> yeah, but then also I was thinking when you were talking about it, as um, the Italians, they are so happy with their small uh, telephones, so telefoninos. Yeah. So when they started to occur, the Italy, Italy was the first country I was really seeing them used in a way that <laughs> everybody had one. Where here it was still a kind of a luxury item for the big bosses. Um, there everybody had them. And of course, uh, one of the really bad things about uh, smartphones nowadays is that you always have to charge them. Yeah. It kind of, you know, they don't even cover one day when you are traveling and using them a lot. And mm -hmm. so making better batteries for the telephone would be so helpful. <laughs> if you don't think about cars, think about your telephone. Yeah, yeah. If, if you actually don't care anything about uh, the about the countless uh, being cooked alive, like in the moment in India, mm. or you don't care about uh, animals dying uh, on the North Pole, you can always think, hey, I can stay on Facebook many hours more and put much more photos of my cat on it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like you can see it like that. I mean, even if I think, uh, I don't know, I think we should like a bit go down with the phone. Like uh, mm. this is like sucking our lives away. I was actually reading that in the end that we spent average, not, actually not us, like the Americans, because most of the articles about American people was about like people spend around six hours per, per day on their phone. Like uh, not by calling, just like by looking at it and, It's unbelievable. It's as small as the amount of time that we should likely waste, not waste, but we should use sleeping because it's not a, it's not a waste sleeping. So it's a lot. So I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps we should instead like making batteries that they don't last. So at one point people will have to go away from that. <laughs> like a kind of like in a, energetic austerity, probably like something would be good for the world. Like mm. just learn what it means to be without energy, to appreciate more what we have, like appreciate the fact that we have lights in our house, that we can cook something every time we want, and that we can stay at the phone. Like some countries still, they don't have electricity. After, and then they are completely in darkness after, um, after, um, uh, after sunset. So, yeah, I think like we should... Um, I mean, like, things, uh, this is probably like a, it's a bit of anti-consumeristic approach, but yeah, like, I think like we should make things working better, but at the same time, we should actually learn, in, like, as human beings, like, to use what we have in a better and more efficient way. It's not just about creating and creating and developing. Like, we should also, like, develop us to use less and to use in a more intelligent way. It's the same for the cars. I mean, one of the points about the electric cars is that you can't just go at the moment for like 1,000, 2,000 kilometers. Like I live in Australia. People were taking their cars even to go buy in a, like a lighter at the petrol, at the petrol station. It was 200 meters. Like really, I saw that. And they are not like small cars. They are like huge cars. And like, And he's like, why? Why you, like then you go to the gym for three hours every day and you don't walk for 200 meters. What's wrong? It's because people don't know to use that. It's just, they just don't care. Hmm. If you change this approach and like people were like, use that when it's more needed. And for example, the electric cars, like you use it when you need it. Because I mean, I, it cannot go for an endless amount of time. 
So, and that's actually, I think it's a good approach, like on seeing things. Like you can always walk, you can always have a bike to go somewhere, and then you can use the car. It's the two things going together. Until we don't change our point of view that we don't need to take a car continuously, and we don't develop public transport in an efficient way in the country, in any country I'm talking, like here things work quite well, <laughs> like talking mainly about my country, um, they won't, we won't have the right basement, the right um, background for the year for a change. Yeah. So when going, um, doing research and um, anything around chemical things, which were kind of different, um, through all the Euro different European countries, um, did you feel uh, differences in the um, style, how you work together and the culture and things like that? In which sense? Oh, whatever. You know, because... Um, My feeling is that um, you grow up somewhere and think things are like that everywhere. And then you make the first change to a different place. It might just be a different university in the same mm -hmm. town or just another town or a different country. And then you kind of understand that things are not done the same way everywhere. Yeah. And you start to see things you, which you value from where you came and things which you value from where you went. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, and, it's true. <laughs> and so the, it's just kind of a curious question from my side, because you have seen so many different places. What kind of stands out to you as being special or maybe even unifying uh, through all the European countries? I think Germany works quite well, actually. Like, uh, this is the first thing I can say. Like, uh, compared to the state of... Um, Research and not only like research how things are done, but also like how people are treated, paid, and involved in what they do. I think Germany stands out pretty well. Like it's like actually like here you have possibility of working. You have possibility if you have a project, you are followed. At least like like I really feel very well followed by my professor. I always say it's like probably it's the best professor I could actually hope to have as a supervisor because it's like. A, like driving me on the right direction and helping me so like I can develop my own thoughts but if I am completely stuck and that happens like in order to find a solution in order to drive me in the right way and then I think it's what actually a supervisor and a PhD must be doing Well, I've seen it in other parts above all like countries in which like research is like less considered and poor it's more difficult to have that because It's not just so much because of the people, but it's because if you don't have money behind, if you don't have support, you have so many problems that imagine also to be completely well-followed and having like a team working, it's a bit of utopia. So I think like uh, the problem with the research is that like in Europe, the things could work pretty well because we have many institutes and many countries, but still there is a striking difference between what is Middle Europe and the Northern Europe and what is the South. And it's not due to the people because like people in Southern Europe, we, we are not lazier, we are not worse than the others, but we come from, from university in which we, we are lots of people or no people like my chemistry course from probably were like 20 because people not many people do scientific um, <laughs> subjects in Italy looks like at least when I was doing it and um, like you got like I remember when I was working in polytechnic some uh, labs some um, groups they were having like a good 
officers good labs like mine for example like we were having like broken glasses at the window so when it was actually like winter it was snowing inside and when it was a sun in summer we were like cooking like chicken so yeah like it's in that situation like that when you have computers from the 90s like still big Mm. We wanted the actor, they die and they make smoke when they are overused. How can you expect things to actually go in a direction? It's just like, it's just like something is like, uh, it's a loop. Like when you throw something on the ground, like other people will be feel authorized to throw it. If you keep it clean, no one will do it. So I, I don't, I don't think it's actually the fault of anyone. Perhaps the government, perhaps how things are done, perhaps. <laughs> how they don't use well the money. But yeah, like it's like I would say some countries work better than the others. And there is more equality. Like I mean like you do your work and you are well considered and well paid. And this ought to give you a motivation. In many parties of Europe like I've in the country with like some economical problem, just because you are a researcher, they put you there working and they don't pay you. Or they pay you like something ridiculous, like 600 euro a month. It's not ridiculous, but it's ridiculous if you have to work every day and not doing anything else and just being like, like, don't know, used as a slave for someone else. And then like you go out and it happens a lot in, uh, for example, in my country, you go out with a PhD and the companies say that, yeah, you have not even been working. So they prefer someone that comes straight from the work environment that perhaps has not studied. And uh, so that's why there are so many uh, Italians, uh, I think, uh, like in Europe on the outside, because they just don't appreciate you. Like you study and then no one cares. I mean, they prefer somebody they can pay less and uh, use more. Not every company, but this is something that we all know there. So... It's a different approach. Like when in a, in a country, like here, Germany is a country in which culture is appreciated. People that knows how to do, that has put an effort in learning and is trying to do something different is appreciated, is not seen as an enemy of a tradition or something that is there. Like people are not scared to change. And so that's why in the end, like I, I can only say good things about Germany, except for the cuisine. But yeah, like it's... <laughs> Like this is, I suppose, an Italian problem. <laughs> no, but I can understand that. There is a reason that we have a lot of Italian restaurants yeah. here. And, <laughs> and they have people coming there, even the German ones. And most of the time it's not really very well made. Like this weekend I was like at home meeting with mom. And, you know, like mama food is always the best one. <laughs> so um, what's your hope for the next years? Uh, Like my personal hopes for yeah, myself. Yeah, personal hopes. Yes, we don't have to hope for the whole world just now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean like personal hopes could be the hope for all the world. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, my personal hopes at the moment is that like in 20 days, uh, I'm leaving to US and I hope like I will have no problem to enter in the country. Yeah. Okay. For don't know which reason. We never know. No, they went to the US. And um, yeah, I hope actually like when I will be there, I will be able to really... Um, learn something more on this multi-layer SEI and uh, 
insert it in my model. Like I've already been starting it, but clearly it's not just taking things and put like you need more work and then I will be followed by the people that has been developing the Cantera base of it. So there will be possibility for me to learn more about Cantera and at the same time to actually put ba- uh, take back some knowledge that will be used in my group. They somehow it's very well connected with that place, the place is Colorado School of Mines, mm. so there's a lot of interchange, like uh, the professor there have been visiting us, so it's a, it's a long-term collaboration. So um, I really hope when I will be back to have the material, to not to the material also to develop like a more comprehensive model, and at the same time like working still on this irre- irreversible plating that are still to be developed because there are some problem about the particle expansion, not problems, but obviously needs more time. And uh, so hopefully, I I really hope to actually have like other one, two papers before the end of the PhD year. So we'll be like, uh, yeah, March 2020 end. And then uh, having to write my dissertation. So for the future, I don't know, like postdoc uh, or... Uh, I don't know. I still don't know. Like, I would like to go living in Berlin. <laughs> something I would say. Yeah, or London. Like, I don't know, some big city. And um, But yeah. So at the moment, like, I just really hope to have a, have a productive year for the next year. And yeah, we're able to face the PhD final period with the right weapons. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for taking the time. Thank uh, you. Yeah, for telling me about your research. (laughs) Thanks to you.